Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yep, we're back. It's another day here on Let's Go There. I'm not going to steal Ryan's. It's another day, another sleigh, but it's just so good. <laughs> uh, it's Shira here. I'm coming to you live via Zoom because I'm still uh, semi in quarantine. Shara Giselle's filling in for Ryan. She's in the studio today. Welcome back to the show. Yes. Hey, Shira. It's so good to see you. I have not seen you like on the Zoom, on a FaceTime or anything in almost, what, two weeks now? It's been two weeks or so. Uh, you know, I was with you the last day before I went into a downward spiral of COVID. So I'm much better though right now. That's so good. Speaking of COVID, really quickly, Shira, I set an appointment at a CVS to go get my booster shot. I waited two weeks to get this booster, right? It was at 9 a.m. this morning. So I get up, you know, I'm already up at 6.30. I get dressed for work. I go to the CVS only to find out that they have Pfizer only. So here's where I'm conflicted and I have a question for you because I know that it's safe to mix and match. Yeah. But just for my mental, if I got the Moderna for the first two, I want to get the Moderna for the booster. I don't want to mix and match. What do you feel about this? You like consistency. Listen, I I feel like in the past, maybe that was the case, but uh, doctors and experts have been clear that it's okay. So I think you got to trust that, right? I mean, I have Pfizer... Uh, did you? So you didn't end up getting the booster? No, I walked out because I, 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 I just I had to sit with it for a minute. So what I'm going to do is tomorrow I have a doctor's appointment in the morning. Well, actually a therapy appointment, but my therapist is like down the street from my doctor's office, and I'm going to see Got if it. I can do a walk-in to get my booster because I've do been it. waiting two weeks for this appointment. But I just, like I said, I know what the what the experts say, and I feel so ignorant on the airways even saying this. But I think it's just one of those psychological things where I want to stay streamlined with Moderna. <laughs> Right. You're like a, a, a one track mind type yeah, person. Well, not one track you know, mind. Shira. Not one track. <laughs> <laughs> with your with your vaccines, you like it one way. You don't want to be surprised no. to switch it up. You're no. like color coordinated. It's the same yes. thing with your look. Yes. You like it all the same. Yes. I get it. Uh, and I don't think it's ignorant. I think you're bringing up something actually that a lot of people go through. Uh, and that's why we got to have these conversations and just be honest about what we're all dealing with. Yeah. And so I'll be like I said, I'm, I'm going to get it because, you know, Omicron, well, we'll talk about it in the show, but it, it's sweeping. It's sweeping. It is. Just be careful there. A lot of my friends are starting to get uh, COVID. So whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, Ugh. just be safe. Please. Uh, lots coming up on the show. Speaking of the pandemic, how our sex lives have been impacted. There's a new study that is reporting all about this. I'm intrigued. That's at 425 p.m. Pacific, 725 p.m. Eastern. And uh, we are honoring an iconic feminist 
who is no longer with us in the Tea Report in a moment. Mm-hmm. So stick around for that. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Right now, uh, this is great news. France's legislator has passed a sweeping ban on conversion therapy yesterday. Big news right now. Um, as lawmakers from both houses of parliament agreed to wording for the law and voted in favor of it, uh, the bill bans all practices, behaviors, repeated statements with the intent of modifying or oppressing a person's real or perceived sexual orientation or gender identity. Uh, and basically, it carries a potential penalty of two years in prison or about um, 34,000 US in fines. So I'm happy that they are taking a stand against this. And again, the U.S. has got to catch up. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I want to say that I'm surprised, but I'm not that the U.S. has not caught up with this. It's just so weird to be existing as an LGBT person. And it's like we make so much progress, but we still just can't seem to just shake conversion therapy. And so many of our favorite companies and restaurants are, you know, uh, high donators to those programs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it uh, sucks. It, it really does. Uh, and speaking of uh, more news here happening in the States, at least five people, unfortunately, are dead after a storm swept across the Great Plains Midwest today, uh, yesterday, actually, bringing record-breaking winds, reports of tornadoes across several states. This is just continuing. It is wild. Tornadoes were reported in Nebraska, Minnesota, and Iowa, and fatalities due to the severe weather were confirmed in several states. Uh, in the meantime, as Kentucky deals with their tornado aftermath, Here's Governor Andy Bashir defending access to emergency facilities for undocumented residents. Uh, anybody who lost their home, we want to have a place to stay. Listen, I, I, if, if, if somebody has got kids and, and all of a sudden have absolutely no place to stay, I want them to have a roof over their head. So we're going to help people out at state parks um, that lost their home. All right. Good on him for doing the right thing. So that was what's trending this hour. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so wild. All these tornadoes. It's like it's like a movie starring The Rock. Global warming <laughs> and climate change is like really chewing us up. But are we ready to jump into the T-Report, Shira? Is that what yeah, you were tossing to? All right. Well, I don't know about you, but I was first introduced to the iconic Bell Hooks and her work about just a little over a decade ago. And last year, while we were all on lockdown, I read one of her books titled All About Love. And it's, it was really great and thought-provoking, but the prolific and trailblazing author, poet, feminist, and culture critic passed away yesterday morning at the age of 69. Now, there has been no official cause of death, but there are unofficial reports circulating that it was kidney failure. Um, The college, Berea College in Kentucky, where Hooks taught, did release a a press release, and they said that she died after an extended illness. Now, Bell Hooks, some of our listeners might, might not be aware, but she is such an important figurehead and thought leader as it pertains specifically to black feminism. And so, yeah, she's responsible for her 1981 release, which is arguably her biggest work. It's titled Ain't I a Woman? Black Woman and Feminism. And then, like I mentioned, All About Love. And so, you know, just want to say rest in peace and offer and extend our condolences because she was a titan in the literary world. It feels like when Toni Morrison passed. It feels like Mm. when Maya Angelou passed. And so it's one of those things. It's really heavy for, for black women and particularly in America, I'd say, um, because she just she was great. She she opened a lot of our minds into the intersectionality of feminism. 
it's a beautiful thing and it's really unfortunate 69 still is so young it's it really is when i think about it my dad is 69 he'll be 70 in march so mm-hmm. it's like everything becomes so relative you know as these years pass <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you for that, Char. Uh, next up, we're moving into uh, more politics. So did or did not uh, or did Trump not violate any laws on January 6th? I think we're all wondering what's going on and where investigators could be landing. We've got some answers next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, January 6th, investigators are figuring out whether Trump did indeed violate obstruction law. So what is actually going to happen? Well, Kyle Cheney is with us, a Congress reporter for Politico. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Kyle, Hello. Uh, thanks, Good for, to be with you. thanks for being here. Yeah. So what is leading them to this right now? I know this is something obviously they probably wanted to figure mm. out and see if it was possible. But what is leading them to this now? Well, it's more of a side a sidebar to their investigation because the congressional committee is actually not authorized constitutionally, really, to, to pursue criminal investigation, but they are allowed to, if they uncover evidence they think is a potential crime, turn that over to prosecutors in the Justice Department. And what we're seeing is in the language from some of the committee members is they think that they have at least seen evidence that, that Trump potentially uh, violated criminal obstruction uh, statutes in, in terms of what they say is either his action or inaction on January 6th, whether, you know, knowing he could do something to, you know, protect the uh, Congress, protect the Capitol and not acting in their view could potentially amount to that kind of criminal obstruction. We've seen lots and lots of conversations circulating about this since it really happened. I can't believe that we're approaching the one year anniversary in about two weeks. That's wild to think about. Um, But what new evidence has helped as far as, uh, I guess, attempting to prosecute Trump or, or nail him down? You know, I don't know if they'll get there or not. I mean, it's a very complicated question when you're talking about someone in his, you know, in his official job as president at the time, you know, t- t- whether he should have taken certain actions or not. Um, you know, they impeached him over that. They impeached him over things he said and did. Um, but it's a much different equation to say, does that person, should that person be prosecuted criminally? And it would be a tricky one for the Justice Department in particular to go, for a tricky road to go down saying someone could be prosecuted for their actions in office. Um, you know, it's not an out of it's not out of the realm of possibility, but it is uh, a very tricky, both a political and a legal and a constitutional question that has really never been answered before. Um, so that while the committee is finding out a lot of information and making them up with some really damning information about what happened leading up to January 6th, the question of a criminal prosecution is still a very murky one at, at best. Well, what about Mark Meadows and these texts that mm-hmm. came out? I mean, it seems like he's going to be possibly held liable. Is that because, you know, these people are protecting Trump in the end? Like mm-hmm. they're going to be uh, held accountable. But it seems like Trump is protected from that in this case. Well, that, that's, a, that's a question here is, is you know, uh, what information is it that they're sitting on? They're refusing to turn over and just how damning does it get? And uh, and are these people willing to potentially risk criminal prosecution for contempt, you know, which carries a one year maximum sentence um, in order to, to keep that information from Congress? Um, you know, we're seeing with Steve Bannon that the answer seems to be yes. Uh, you know, and, and we'll see if, you know, when it comes time to actually having a trial, he's willing to go through with it or, or work out some kind of a deal. Um, and Meadows uh, could face prosecution for contempt, 
in a matter of weeks if the if the Justice Department goes at the same speed they went with Bannon. So yeah, I think uh, right now that seems to be the dynamic that you're describing. Um, but the question is, again, we don't know what information they're not sharing. And then will they continue to, to withhold it knowing they could be, you know, and end up in jail for a year? So, you know, well, that's a long time. So, um, I mean, even with respect to what you just said, we've seen, you know, both sides of the aisle uh, call this what it is, an insurrection. But then we've seen other people, you know, say, oh, it was they were just patriots or what have you. What is the likelihood of something actually coming from this? Like, what is the likelihood of someone, because someone's got to take the fall. It might not be Trump. It might not be Meadows. might not be Bannon. But what's the likelihood of, you know, someone taking the fall for this, so to speak, or taking having to deal with public responsibility for the role that they played? I don't know. I think it's more about what the committee unearthed. I think they're going to, I mean, they're clearly gearing up to show <clears throat> that, that what happened on January 6th was the result of this months-long effort by President Trump to stoke the disinformation and 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 really uh, uh, provoke his followers, including some who they at least should have known uh, had the capacity to commit commit violence. Um, and you know, and they're already painting that picture with the with the evidence that's emerged to date. The questions are really in the details of. You know, what were the discussions happening in the White House right before then um, about the prospect of violence? You know, what were people saying to Trump while the violence was unfolding? And some of that really granular stuff we don't know yet. Um, and that may be what the committee's finding out. And so whether someone's either criminally responsible or just politically responsible um, and how the committee persuades the American public of the real threat to democracy that unfolded um, is, is sort of up in, in their in their court right now. All right. Well, that was Kyle Cheney, Congress reporter for Politico. Thank you so much for these updates. Thanks for having me. Now, final child tax credit payments are going out and the program's future is in question. We've got more Mm. details next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The IRS this week is sending out the final child tax credit payments of 2021 as Democrats are struggling to keep the program alive next year. Uh, If you remember, the monthly payment started in July for more than 36 million households, giving parents as much as $300 per child. And Democrats had wanted to continue the policy through 2022 as part of their Build Back Better legislation. Joining us to share more is Yegana Torbati. Uh, an economic policy investigations reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm assuming this could be pretty detrimental for families. What happens now? Um, So, you know, just like you said, Democrats are hoping to extend this for another year. um, But, you know, the the measure to do that is included in um, the pretty large, massive um, Build Back Better plan, which you know, currently there's no indication that it's actually going to successfully be passed this year. Um, and if it's not passed by sometime around December 28th, um, those payments for January will not be going out in time. And the payments that went out yesterday will be the last ones that um, families receive. Um, and there's been a lot of research and data showing that um, these monthly payments, which have been going out since July, have done a lot to reduce childhood poverty. Um, and they've been used by parents, um, you know, to buy a lot of basic goods, um, just things that, you know, every household needs or to pay for education or childcare. And, you know, it's likely that we'll see a lot of families struggling um, if they're not receiving um, those, uh, those checks. 
That is so terrible, especially as we've been reading uh, reports about inflation and the wages aren't improving. Now, the Build Back Better program seems to be all over the place when it comes to, you know, from infrastructure to conversations around student debt. It just seems like everything is all tied together fiscally for the country. I want to know what's the likelihood of the child tax credit being um, passed again? Like, what, what do you think the likelihood is for next year? Um, well, I think Democrats, you know, really see the child child tax credit and especially the expanded version of the child tax credit, which the Biden administration championed um, earlier this year um, and which they're trying to extend. I think Democrats really see that as a crucial part of um, kind of what they're providing for Americans. Um, so I think that they will fight pretty hard um, to, uh, to to renew it in some fashion. It's just that by the time that they're able to do it, um, you know, it, those there might be a disruption to those payments for at least for January. That, that's the sense I get that, you know, even people who are um, or people who are staunch supporters of the child tax credit believe that um, Democrats will eventually manage to get this done. Um, it's just a question of timing. Um, but of course, nothing is totally sure. We've already seen the Build Back Better plan get cut from, you know, something around three and a half children trillion dollars to two trillion. We've seen the child tax credit go from you know, being extended for five years to just one year. Um, so nothing is really guaranteed. And we're just kind of still waiting to see how some key senators decide, including, of course, um, Senator Manchin of West Virginia. Yeah, which it seems like, according to reports, he's been just saying, like, it's BS, it's BS. Stop asking me about this. And you're like, well, that's kind of your job. And <laughs> you are the deal breaker here. <laughs> uh, well, he's certainly been facing a lot of pressure from um, all sorts of different sides. So, you know, I um, talked to some organizers in West Virginia who have been trying to persuade him that this is good for West Virginians and it's something that um, he should work to uh, continue. Um, there's also been pressure from business lobbies, um, you know, that are I think are going to try to go after him politically um, and pointing out that some elements of the Biden plan are not necessarily popular in West Virginia, which, of course, is a pretty conservative state. Um, so, you know, he is kind of sort of facing it from all sides and at the same time realizes how important his vote is and has been, um, you know, willing to stick with negotiations, but at the same time sort of um, uh, denigrate or at least uh, criticize some of the um, social spending provisions of, of, the, of, the, of Biden's plan. Um, I wanted to know, and I know you cover the U.S., but how does this program compare to other countries? I mean, we act like this is so innovative and like right. out there when it's really not. <laughs> um, like you said, I do focus mostly on, on domestic issues, so I don't know that I could um, necessarily yeah. speak to that. I'm, I'm sure there are um, places in Europe, you know, where um, both taxes are much higher, but also their social spending is higher. Um, and of course, in, in the United States, we have a very different um political reality, which I think plays out in, in, in the ways that, you know, kind of we're, we're talking about right now, of course, with this one credit. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. That was Yegana Torpati, an economic policy investigations reporter at The Washington Post. Well, next up, Melania Trump is launching an NFT. Why it's causing quite a stir. We'll tell oh, you gosh. more next.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Melania Trump is getting into the NFT game. She launched her own NFT. That's right. The former first lady is um, getting into the that world and... This is just strange. I think a lot of people don't get what NFTs are. Sure, I was just about to ask you, what the hell is an why NFT? Why they should care? It's a non-fungible token. That's what it stands for. It's a digital asset. Um, typically pictures, songs, videos, artwork. And it's bought in an online marketplace stored on the blockchain, which is this secure public ledger, like a bank ledger, but like it allows anyone to verify the NFT's authenticity. It keeps record of who owns what. Uh, And so uh, So a lot of these NFTs also come with communities. You get access to events, experiences, uh, discord chats. uh, And it's also like the future of collectibles. I have a question. Is this like, and let me know if I'm too off base here. Is this like if there was like a GIF of me on the internet and I uh, acquired it as an NFT and then does that mean it like a copyright like anyone who used this uses this gif of me owes me money yeah you own it and then people could you know usually see that you own it and could bid on it even so there's places where they could bid on it and pay you for it and then typically you I mean if you get the right ones it's like comic books or baseball cards like when they do increase in value then people could buy it from you and you could make money off of it. Oh, my goodness. There's so much I'm still learning and trying to understand as an adult. I'm still learning how to balance a checkbook at 33. I just all the crypto and NFT like I want to keep up, but I'm I'm confused. I know. And, you know, it's all about like anything, just being curious and continuing to do research and dive in. Right. You like a lot of people don't get it from the get go. So if you are one of those people, don't worry. What was funny today about this whole thing is that there are a lot of people that make fun of NFTs that are anti-NFT. And then there's obviously the pro-NFT people. And today was the one day where everyone came together to agree on one thing, that this is a joke. Uh, (laughs) It feels like one. So it's called Melania's Vision. It can be bought between December 16th and the 31st with a, a cryptocurrency called soul, or you could even use an old fashioned credit card. So like, you don't need to have crypto to buy this. Oh, um, it will be available on her, on her site, but typically you buy it and then it transfers it into the crypto to buy it. Does so that make sense? So you could like buy USD to, um, to crypto and then it ends up, you know, transferring into the, the type of cryptocurrency you need to buy it. So do we know, and forgive me if you mentioned it and I missed it, do we know which uh, NFT Melania is getting? Is it is it going to be a, a soundbite of hers? Maybe it's her cursing about the, the Trump Christmas, <laughs> uh, you know, the phone call that was recorded by her former yep. friend. Like, what is her NFT? So hers is, uh, according to her office, a breathtaking watercolor art by Marc Antoine Coulomb. Uh, which I'm assuming, I don't know this person, but is an artist. And that's what's great is like a lot of the NFT space really puts a spotlight on 
up and coming diverse artists and creators. Uh, but it's it's a watercolor picture that shows her blue eyes. And it says that it provides the collector because when you buy an NFT, you're essentially a collector with an amulet to inspire, which is also the irony of it. Like she's this inspirational Hashtag figure. Hashtag be best. Right. Um <laughs> It's a limited edition piece of digital artwork. And it also comes, and you're wondering about this, it does come with an audio recording from Mrs. Trump with a message of hope. Oh, gosh. I, Shira, I can't. I really have nothing to offer to this store. I, it's I, so, wait, I just it's so funny, though. It's only $150, which is actually pretty cheap. But the interesting thing is, and this comes right, you know, just for the holidays, right in time, is a lot of people are saying that people are going to be buying NFTs for their loved ones or their family, you know, because it's an investment, the holiday. right? It's essentially it an, an investment. investment. Exactly. Um, another funny tweet. I just got to share crypto, this one too. Crypto is safer than trading stocks, right? Technically. All the markets can be volatile. Okay. But you could say it's more long-term and it, it can be tracked as well. You know where everything is going and coming from. Gotcha. Whereas Wall Street, we know there's a, a lot of corruption and you don't know where everything is going and coming from. There's not a lot of transparency. Uh, but let me just leave you with this. Okay. Uh, someone wrote, I'm not saying most NFTs are scams operated by grifters and money launderers. <laughs> I'm just saying Melania Trump is launching an NFT. <laughs> Perfect okay. way to go to commercial break, Shira. That's the exactly. perfect tweet. <laughs> okay, next up, more problems from the GOP. A candidate is claiming Colorado's out gay governor is secretly straight. What is going what? on? What's next? Let's go there with, with Shira, Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, we've got some more music coming up on Channel Q and more show for you. It's Shira here. Ryan is out. Shara Giselle is filling in in the studio today. Thanks, Shar. Oh, yes. Hey, Shira. Hey, you know, we've been talking a lot about holidays, being sing single. We're going to be talking more about how to find your perfect enough partner in real life in 30 minutes. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, aren't you intrigued? Aren't you interested? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Come on. That's uh, that's the holiday gift that Char deserves. Uh, plus... Why Ben Affleck is calling out the media after his Howard Stern interview. That's in the Tear Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Well, this is messed up. Danielle Neuschwanger, what a last name, was running in the Republican primary to be the governor of Colorado, is getting attention for this crazy claim that the current governor of uh, Colorado, Governor Jared Polis, is hiding a big secret. He's actually straight. What? Uh, yes. She's also claiming that Polis's marriage to his husband, Marlon Reese, was a, quote, a sham uh, to get gay people to vote for him for governor. It's mm. <laughs> horrible. You she made this claim at this meet and greet in Cannon City, Colorado earlier this week. She talked about a bunch of topics from COVID-19 vaccines to government secrets about the Kennedy assassination to gay couples adopting before she turned her attention to Polis, saying, you guys want to know something crazy about Polis? He's not even gay. You know what? Uh, I don't put anything 
past anyone, especially this year. I could totally see there seems to be this uh, this movement of, oh, let's align with oppression or marginalized people in order to, I guess, gain attention. I'm not saying that this person, um, Danielle Neuschwanger, Ooh, I know middle school was rough. Um, I'm not saying that 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 she is lying, but I'm also, you know, she's she is a Republican, so who knows? She might might be subscribed to QAnon, but I would not be surprised if this were true. That's what I'll say. Yeah, three words: mind your business. Yeah, unless it's your political oh. opponent's business, <laughs> right? Getting dirty. Okay, now uh, calling Lettix exposure a national emergency, Vice President Kamala Harris announced the Biden-Harris Lead Pipe and Paint Action Plan funded by the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. More than half of the children in America who are under the age of six are at risk of lead exposure. So it's not right, obviously, and we cannot let this stand any longer. Lead exposure in our nation, we should all agree, is a national emergency. And it is something we can do something about. That is why our administration is releasing the Biden-Harris Lead Pipe and Paint Action Plan. Hmm. All right. Well, it is needed. I mean, there's a lot of emergencies out there right now. Yeah, they're national emergencies, but I'm happy uh, they're doing something about this. Did they ever uh, fix the water in Flint, Michigan? As I'm hearing about, yeah, okay. I'm I'm just listening to what uh, VP Harris was saying about lead, lead pipes, and yeah, it's a it's a real issue because infrastructure has not been updated, which is why the infrastructure bill was. And, and it is so important right now. It's not just about roads and everything. It's about, you know, the foundation of this country and what we're actually putting in our bodies. Yeah, we saw uh, Hawaii last month had petroleum in their water. So, Ooh. yeah, a lot th- needs to be repaired. A lot needs to be repaired. We can't be underpaid and suffering at, at high costs. <laughs> Come on. We're living in America, right? Yes. That's isn't this supposed to be like the more evolved country? Uh, let's move on. Speaking of be, not being so evolved, but the FDA has announced today that it is lifting a requirement that patients seeking medication abortion had to pick up the medication in person instead allowing pills to be sent by mail. The move comes as the Supreme Court is going to undo its abortion rights precedent. And relaxing the federal restrictions on medication abortion is one thing that the Biden administration could could do to mitigate the fallout from a Roe v. Wade reversal. Red states, though, are already on the march to counteract what the federal government has opted to do. I was about to say, I wonder, you know, how this will affect uh, people who get pregnant in Texas. If they can get discrete medication delivered to their homes instead of having to actually go to the Walgreens and risk a a $10,000 bounty on their head or something. Well, the issue is then, is the person delivering these pills, Do are they liable now, right? Ooh, yeah. I didn't think about that, Shira. Exactly. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Shar? Ooh, I just read this morning that Jennifer Lopez is pissed at her boyfriend, Ben Affleck. Oh. I don't know if you heard the story, but Ben Affleck went on the Howard Stern show and said that he'd probably still be drinking. Part of why he was, you know, he was uh, he's battled alcoholism. He's been in and out of rehab. But he said that part of why he was drinking alcohol because uh, was because he felt trapped in his marriage. Now, that headline went crazy. It was 
everywhere yesterday because people were like, um, what does it say about the mother of your children, your ex-wife? You kind of threw her under the bus. You're evading accountability and responsibility for the for the role that you played in your own drinking. You can't, you know, no one was tooting the, the bottle to his lips, so to speak. Last night, Affleck appeared on ABC's Jimmy Kimmel Live, and this is what he had to say about the headlines. Really, like, it's about my kids. I gotta just draw a line. Right, you know, of course. I'm really clear, like, that's not true. I don't believe that. It's the exact opposite of who I am, what I believe, and I would never want my kids to think I would ever say a bad word about their mom because this I really upset you. I mean, obviously, it hurts my feelings, yeah. right? And the thing is, he didn't necessarily say a bad word about Jennifer Gardner, but he certainly implied bad words about her. So I think that this is a, a, a cleanup. So the kids, you know, they're not like because the kids. I think his oldest is what 16, 13? Like they're of reading ages. These aren't infants here. What do you think about yeah, this, Shira? They they know what's going on. I do think it was problematic. I mean, Howard Stern gets people very comfortable. Oh yeah, as we know. Yes, he and does. you end up kind of sharing what you would maybe share, you know, at at the table uh-huh. behind the scenes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then you share it with the public, and then it gets deduced. Or, or reduced into this headline that the media just eats at. And so, like, that's basically what happened to him. Yeah. But, yeah, he needs to be more aware. Maybe a therapist would probably say something to him about yes. that statement. Ugh. Well, that's the T-Report for this hour. Okay. Well, next up, how to take back your holidays and have a lighter, brighter Christmas. We're going to be talking more about this book and what you should know next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right, we all know that the holidays can be very overwhelming between reuniting with family, planning fun activities. It's a lot going on, but this one author has a tongue-in-cheek way of handling it, and she's joining us live in studio to talk all things Taking Back Your Holidays. Hello, Yvonne Lacey, a.k.a. Dr. Christmas. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining Shira and I. So I was flipping through your book and I just find it. I mean, it's described as a whimsical guide to a lighter and brighter Christmas in particular. I have to know what inspired you to go this route to even write this book. Great question. Well, you know, they say everyone has a book in them, right? Oh, Uh, yes. And uh, (laughs) some of us have more, (laughs) more to tell. Uh, But I was born on Christmas Day. So that's sort of the Capricorn. We're, both Capricorns. We're, we're Capricorns. Okay, yeah, Yay yeah, yeah. For Capricorns. Okay. Um, you know, we're OCD. That's yeah. our Capricorns, right? Yeah. But, uh-huh. um, I would have lots of friends through the years ask me, you know, how is that? How must it be to have a, a birthday on Christmas or even around Christmas? Mm-hmm. If you don't get lucky and you're the 26th or the 27th, do you get left behind? Yeah. And, um, and friends that would be frustrated about Christmas going, oh, I wish we could just fast forward. I have so many gifts to buy. I've got things to do. It's just a pain. And I thought, no. Wait, time out. You need to own that holiday. And I would just start giving people little tips and tricks on the side of how they can handle it. And pretty soon it turned into a blog. And then years later, you know, after blogging, people said, you know, you should write a book. Um, and then I had the, the you know, the, the, the horrible tragedy of losing my mother, which was tough. Mm. And I think at that point, it was the turning point of, you know what, this is for her. I'm going to get this done. So that one book in me just just came out. So. Oh, that's so nice. So how did you choose what tips to include in the book? Um, That's a good question. I really went through my blogs and social media and just sort of figured out what got the most action, right? Where were people really asking about this is hard for me or this is one that I really struggle with? And, you know, they're, they're, Christmas isn't new, right? It's been around for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> we all know that. Um, but we sometimes forget 
write what it's about, what it means to us personally, uh, each, each as an individual. And so it just became um, sort of a, a, a book to help people remind them, mm-hmm. right, that it's okay to, to take it back a little bit. So, so so I take it that you got the nickname Dr. Christmas because of your birthday, right? <laughs> it became, well, the Rx is sort of the prescription. Right? Oh, so that's, oh, you that's, got the remedy. The, the book the, is the I remedy. I got the remedy. That's it. So, so that's Dr. XMAS, right? For for those of you wondering, I, I didn't use the full Christmas. It's people. Oh, yeah. I, I'm pretty easy, sure. But yeah. We don't have enough time to write that all out. So it's DRXMAS. <laughs> but I wanted to know. Okay. So that leads in. Okay. This yeah. is the prescription right here. Right. But okay. So this book is full of games and recipes and fun holiday activities. Which was your favorite, uh, I guess, avenue to go down? Did you enjoy putting the recipes in here more than the tips? Or what a great question. Yeah. I think I really enjoyed putting together the lore of Christmas because people do things around the holidays because they're traditions. But they have no idea why they're doing them. So yeah. they don't know why they hang up a mm-hmm. wreath. They just do it. Grandma oh, did it. I never thought about right? that. Um, I don't know why we kiss under mistletoe. But that's what we do. So I'm going to hang a kissing ball, right? Okay, yeah. And and things like that. Like, why do we do that? And so it was fascinating to me to to do the research and the homework and find out, you know, why do we do these things, right? Just because grandma did it or my mom did it or do I feel guilty because I don't do it, right? And what's with the Yule log? That one always yeah. made me giggle, right? Mm-hmm. Really? We're going to put that in the middle of our table? Okay, let's find out why. It's a funny name, too. So, right? <laughs> um, so the book's a mix of that, right? It's a little bit of why we do what we do, but also, as you're saying, the tips, the tricks, the reminders of what we can do around the holidays, um, and to really own them, right? Take them back for ourselves to enjoy yeah. them. So well, what is it, history. though? mean to be lighter and brighter like how can people feel that way because this time is Uh, not that for a lot of people you're not kidding me well christmas is always a time of abundance right so before you know all of this wonderful global pandemic christmas is just this huge thing where we have to go over the top and we're used to that abundance to you know too much food too many lights all of that good Mm -hmm. stuff and i still think we can get back to the feeling of of Christmas and what it's intended to be, whether it's quiet with the family or it's a trip to Fiji, like whatever moves you, the reminder is you can do what you want with your holiday. So rather than having that abundance, and if that's your game, awesome, right? If you feel unstressed and you love doing it and you're going to decorate to the nines, fantastic. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you shouldn't feel guilty about it. So to me, having something lighter and brighter might mean putting up a third of your your decorations, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to put everything out. Um, being able to hold a lighter dinner fare, having one or two That's parties. That's me. That's right? me. Right? You like to dine. So maybe um, a choosing something rather than if you always have a Christmas card that you send every year and that's your thing, maybe you give up the tree or the holiday meal or you let somebody else in the family be in charge of it, right? Yeah. Share the wealth. Let the kids be involved. So maybe it's not perfect for our little OCD folks like me um, and, and Capricorns in general. But, you, you know, <laughs> women and, and some men too, but mostly women tend to have that I've got to have everything for the yeah. family, right? And it puts on this, ex- you don't enjoy it. The holidays are over and you're like, what just happened to me? I'm yeah. exhausted. I need a vacation. A day right? of labor yeah. when you're supposed to be relaxing. Yeah. So the lighter is, hey, let's pick a few things rather than trying to do them all and knock those out of the park because those are the memories that we're going to create. Exactly. I know that I've personally been redefining by st- stepping away from like traditional Christmas food because yeah. a lot of the times, you know, you just ate at Thanksgiving. Right. So I try to do something different when it comes to Christmas and in my adult life when it comes to cuisine. Now, I know that there's like there's some gift giving tips in here and we're one week, practically one week away from Christmas. Absolutely. It's next Saturday. Your birthday is next Saturday. My birthday Saturday. is next Saturday. Oh, Lord. And mine is two weeks. <laughs> Su- Happy birthday. Sunday, Happy January birthday. 2nd. Got it. So what advice do you have for any like last minute shop? 
shoppers. There's some good stuff. I mean, if you are under the gun to get stuff done in the, in the last minute, you know what? It's true. The local grocery store, the local, um, you know, Rite Aid, CVS, Walgreens type thing, you can really knock your socks off there or yeah. go to a specialty store that no one else is at if you don't want to you know break up the traffic whether it's going to a garden center or whether it's going to the ski shop you know something that you love that you can project to others is always a great way so i think that that's a great tip and then gift wrapping you know a last minute yeah. use foil it's shiny yeah. or and we a, always uh, have plenty of that i love getting a gift bag and throwing some tissue paper in perfect. there perfect gift bags are great uh-huh. and they're cheap so there's lots of ways to be clever around the holidays to get that last minute wrapping in i love that sherry did you have an additional question uh well people could find the book where online obviously yeah in stores, so it's, it's amazon amazon.com it's at barnes and noble and the great thing it comes digitally um i also recorded it so you can hear it in an audiobook or get a hard copy or a paperback well i love, love that it. that was author yvonne lacy yeah. author of taking back your holidays and, and you, you can, heard where yeah, to you can get purchase to the blog it. at uh, drchristmas.com love that thank you yeah. so much for joining us and coming up how to find your perfect partner in real life we'll be right back in two minutes let's go there with shira and ryan channel q that was Lizzo with boys and perfect timing for our next topic. <laughs> We're talking about how to find your perfect enough partner in real life. Mm. So um, this is an interesting topic. I think that a lot of people think that uh, it goes two ways. Either folks think that I have this ideal and I want it and I deserve it and that's it. I'm not going lower than those expectations. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side to it, kind of acknowledging that no one's really perfect and you're going to have to sacrifice something. Yes, everybody sacrifices something. And this is so nuanced. And I mean, sure, you're in a relationship. I'm single. You already know that there's some give and take when it comes to landing a partner. Yep, that 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 is true. Listen, when I was single though, and I was dating and getting disappointed, the one thing I did focus on is writing out. And and actually, I'll give credit to Jay Shetty for this. Instead of focusing on the things I wasn't getting and complaining about it, which is easy to do. No hate. (laughs) That's me. But I I focused on the things I gained or what I liked about all the relationships I had had, you know, whether it be serious or not serious. And I think the more you focus on the things that you do like and what you value, the more you'll find that in your life. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've I've often wrestled with I don't know what just happened there, but I often wrestled with the idea of retraining, you know, thoughts, because you sure you and I have talked about this because we're just very woo 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 about how the world will filter and reflect back to you whatever you think about it. And that's with anything. So if I'm hopping on dating apps and I'm like, oh, all guys are all the same, that will be the reality of my experience because I'm calling more of that energy into my life. But it's so hard to to change that 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 mindset um, and get past that, especially when there's certain irrefutable facts about certain things. And so I wonder how this relates to like if you're getting in your own way, how can you determine like that's what I wonder, like how Here, can you this is how you could determine if you're getting in your own way, if you keep getting the same results, you're the common denominator. Oh, drag me. <laughs> I mean, that's the reality. At a certain point, you need to take responsibility and point the finger at yourself. It's easy to point the finger at everyone okay, else. Well, listen. And I'll say this. 
Listen, Shira, listen to this. Listen to this. Hold on, hold on. That makes sense in certain contexts, but not in all. I'm on dating apps right now, and I keep being met with men who are looking for something casual. Everybody's looking for something casual, and if the vibe is right, then I can evolve to girlfriend status. I am not looking for that. How, then, is that my fault? Because you continue going on on those apps instead of maybe looking for other places where you can find a potential partner. (laughs) You're going to find the same thing. You're in the same, you know, you're, it's like being on a piece of land and saying like, why is there only this type of tree on this land? And you're like, well, this is the land of those trees. Yeah. (laughs) I deleted in fairness uh, last weekend. I was actually telling Ryan this as well. I just like sporadically deleted so many profiles and the apps off of my phone. Like I used to be on six dating apps and now I'm on two. So, um, so here's the thing about apps. I feel like it's a good practice. Like it just keeps you out there and putting yourself out there. Right. Which I think is important. The other extreme of it is no offense to call out my housemate who's older and still looking and not getting anywhere. You know, he goes in real life. He goes to local bars, restaurants, but he's not finding anything. And so I said to him, go on apps, but he's averse to apps. He he doesn't like apps because of what you just said. But I said, you're not going to find anything if you don't try anything. Yeah, but it it, just keeps the muscle like your muscle. Like I was on apps. I wasn't necessarily meeting with anyone. But at least like kept my intention out there of meeting someone. Um, let's get to this article in Bustle.com, which Absolutely. I think they had some really good tips. One, they said, be open minded, which is definitely important. Narrow your needs. Um, mm. And I, and that goes back to like writing down the, the things that you really want in a partner. And I would say not just like the looks and all that, but like the oh, values. Of course. of course, I'm not. Right? Yeah, I'm not too, too, too big. I mean, of course, we're all visual people, but I don't lead the charge with looks at all. So don't let great chemistry lead you astray. So a lot of times I find the person that I've ended up in relationships with are not the people that I like walk in a room and I said, I'm going to F that guy. Like that is not the person I end up in relationship with. A lot of times the people I've ended up in relationships with, it developed over time. Right. There was an intrigue. Yeah. But but developed a foundation, even not reducing it to that like extreme of I'm going to F that guy. Chemistry does throw you off. Like there are men that have uh, been in my life who I had great chemistry with. But ultimately, we just they couldn't get past their own biases as it pertains to to me. Um, So we couldn't get, get anywhere. That's not fair. Yeah, I mean, that that isn't fair. And I think the more and more you go through that exercise, the more quickly that happens. I think the more that you know yourself and that you're true about your uh, beliefs and stand in that power of like what you actually want, you will find, Shar, and this might might be what you're finding, that people will drop off more quickly. That is not a bad thing because you don't want to waste your time and it will take now less time to then move on to the next person and find that person. Listen, I've been standing firm. I don't require much, but I'm not doing anything casual. So I've been standing firm in what I want and my wants and my needs. And if you can't meet me where I'm at, then you got to go. I'm not making any exceptions. I am not looking for anything casual at all. I'm looking for intention. That's what I'm looking for. Don't lower that bar. Uh, But (laughs) I would say maybe there's different places you could find that person versus just what you're doing. Okay, Shira. (laughs) Okay, next up, how a TikToker treated her way from a bobby pin to her dream house. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So this woman traded up her... 
bobby pin and ended up over a year getting a house okay it's all part of this thing called the trade me project that she did on tiktok it was inspired actually by uh this guy kyle mcdonald who did this in 2006 traded a red paper clip all the way to a house wow and uh, i mean she's a uh, accumulated hundreds of thousands of followers who are following her journey. Uh, it's pretty wild, but it definitely brings up uh, a bigger conversation of like, one, is it possible for just anyone to do this? And how do you even do this? Yeah, this kind of, when I was reading this, it kind of tied into, for me at least, the conversation we had earlier today about like NFTs and kind of like where we're going with this whole trading thing, except this is like a throwback to the old days where you're trading physical things. And um, yeah, I, I'm interested in knowing how something like this happens. I know that she traded the bobby pin for some earrings and it's like you trade up, right, Shira? Yes, so you trade up. And, and then the thing is, I've done this experiment, not like to her, the, the extreme that she did, but I was part of a personal growth development workshop. Really? And one of the exercises we had to do was based on the red paper clip. And this guy, Kyle, who had done that originally, wrote a book about it, all that. And in the end, the exercise is not just about the idea of just getting better stuff. It's the idea of being able to enroll people in your vision, right? Because if you can enroll them into trading up for you to trade up and then just to give you something that maybe doesn't mean as much to them in order to be part of this experiment, you could say almost like you can do anything. It connects to other things or parts of your life mm -hmm. where you're getting people to say yes to things, whether it be investing in your company, you mm -hmm. know, uh, if you're in sales, you're constantly doing something like this. Yeah, I wonder also but how this ties into like socioeconomic standards and race, really race, gender, class. How I wonder how something like this would would uh, translate to with those factors in because both of these yeah. people are white. Correct. The two thousand. Yeah. The, well, and... the two people. Uh, so, yeah, this is the thing. You bring up a good point, And we talked about this in the break. Like, I do think there is something about the confidence that you have when you haven't gotten societal limitations, right? Yes. Um, set up for you, which are legitimate and how you might not have the confidence to do something like this if you're just like anyone or you're from a community where something like this is weird outside the box or that you have to talk to people outside of your community to try to get things from them. If that isn't comfortable for you or you've had bad experiences with that, this experiment might not be as easier fun or as fruitful. this person made it. And I, I love that that you pointed that out because that a lot of times that is it there is a certain confidence when when systems aren't, I guess, you know, raining a gray cloud over your head with something yeah. like this. And then a lot of people, you know, trade within their communities and there's a glass ceiling, so to speak, within marginalized communities often. So it's interesting and I'm not making this a, a per se a race thing because I I don't really see a poor white person uh, being able to to climb the ladder in the way that she did. I, and I don't know her economic background. I well, should that's mention the, we that. don't know that. W what I will say is, you know, she does have the I, have the fact that it would gain popularity working for her. So, you know, part of it is someone just wanting to be part of their experiment and doing a ridiculous trade that no one would typically do. Right. So, so do you, you know, see this being like common? Is this the direction we're heading? <laughs> I do think trades, maybe not like a, a this extreme type of trading, but trades like this, I do see as something that would be made in the future. Listen, I'm part of a Facebook group where people are trading um, their places. So I have a place in New York. You have a place in L.A. Let's trade for a few months. I, have a I place just watched in, a movie. Uh, what? What's the movie with? 
is that with Cameron Diaz and um, Kate Kate Winslet? I just watched a movie. It's on it's on Netflix. It came out in 2006, funny enough. But they they trade. It's almost like pre Airbnb. Like, well, yeah. Why buy new stuff when you could just trade? Like, what's what, what's that saying? Like, what's uh, well, not just what old is new again, but like what I have. It, one like, man's I trash not... is another's treasure. Yes, one man's <laughs> trash is another's treasure, and I do believe that. I do believe that. That's that's how you continue to use a product and not throw it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's I don't know if I feel comfortable with that, though, personally, just with my personal stuff. I don't know if I feel comfortable trading my apartment because the the rigidness in me is telling me, Shar, you're still responsible for this space. If this person and I did have a bad experience, well, it'd be in, like an Airbnb college. where you you'd have an agreement, and all that. But I, I do see this as a model for different things in our life. Absolutely. In the future. Absolutely. I totally agree. Anyway, did this inspire you? Let us know at LGT show on social media. Slide into our DMs. But next up, Sex in the City's Mr. Big has been accused of sex- sexual assault. We've got those details next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. And we are back. Top of the hour. I'm Shar Jassel filling in for Ryan Mitchell today. Um, I'm here with Shira. Is Shira's mic? Hey, I'm here. I was on mute. Oh, okay. I was like, talking to myself. Shira, I should mention, is over the Zoom. I'm here live in studio, and I'll let you take it from here, Miss Lazar. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you always jumping in to support me. Uh, Coming up, I'm really excited about this conversation. How the pandemic has impacted our sex lives. There's a new study out that talks about all of this. And I'm also going to, you know, reveal about how COVID, my experience impacted my sex life. So stick around for that in 15 minutes. Oh, okay. I'll be, I'm all ears for this. You hadn't told me this year. Okay. (laughs) I always have something new here on the show. Plus, Mr. Big, you know, Chris Noth is being accused of sexual assault. We've got more details in the tea report in a moment. First, though, let's get into uh, some what's trending this hour. Equality California is launching a $3 million independent campaign with Planned Parenthood affiliates of California and the California Federation of Teachers to help reelect California Insurance Commissioner Ricardo Lara, who is actually the first and only LGBTQ plus person of color elected to statewide office in the U.S. Uh, So that is a, a very big deal as he is going up against um, some intense Republicans. And now he gets to have their backing to continue his campaign. Well, we'll see how this unfolds. I mean, uh, I politics are so unpredictable to me. Like, I just I just sit on the sidelines. I do my civic duty by voting and then I just let the chips fall where they may because it's stressful. It is very stressful, but we're happy that more and more um, LGBTQ individuals are running uh, for their local uh, political elections and you know hopefully winning as well so we'll see what happens with this yeah because now later oh go ahead go ahead uh, no i was gonna move on to the next story but continue Shar. i was just saying that you know a lot of the times like your your gender identity or sexuality is inherently political but a lot of the times in these recent campaigns it has nothing to do with with what the the changes they're trying to implement like you know people so maybe some people who are homophobic or transphobic they let that sway their vote that's all i was saying like pay attention to the policy folks definitely uh now mayor bill de blasio announced new york city will distribute rapid covid tests for free we will be distributing rapid 
at-home tests. Half a million rapid at-home tests will be distributed for free through community organizations directly to the grassroots. We want to use at-home testing a lot more. We want to make it uh, more and more available to New Yorkers. Okay, now several states have made similar moves. So far, the Biden administration has resisted calls to do this federally. I mean, this is something that I would love to happen in Los Angeles or California because let me tell you, I've spent so much money on rapid COVID tests for work recently after getting COVID. Yeah. I can't even tell you. I like I don't want to even get into it. Well, I went to I know that you were initially spending a lot of money. I just I had to take a rapid test on Sunday. Um and I got mine 10 bucks at CVS. 10 bucks what? and waited 10 minutes for the results. Yep. What is it? Well, yeah, you can buy it at CVS and all that, but th- it's not the PCR tests, unfortunately. Wait, what's PCR? But still there's the PCR versus the rapid ones that you can get just at the pharmacy, which still, if you do two of them, usually it's like, it is pretty effective. Like it's 90, like, like it's 80% effective. Okay. We're going to so. have to talk about this during commercial. Yeah. We'll talk more <laughs> about that. Uh, but now let's move on to Facebook whistleblower, Francis Hodgen, who is writing a book. This just got announced that will include a critical examination of Facebook after revealing what pr- critics say is damning information about the social media giant. The title and release date of the book has not been determined yet, um, and we don't know the financial terms, but uh, this is a pretty big deal. She's already really dragged them publicly, so I don't know what other information she has, but it will be interesting to see. And and what will change? I mean, Facebook and Zuckerberg are still going to be Facebook and Zuckerberg. What's going to change? Uh, yeah, we'll see. That That is true. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Shar? Oh, my gosh. Shira. And just like that, he might be going to jail. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I am rocked by this because I should mention um, I was a fan of Chris. Now, like, you know, these stories are never comfortable. But two women approached The Hollywood Reporter separately months apart and they do not know each other. They said that promotions and press reports of HBO's, you know, Sex in the City reboot or sequel series and just like that, in which, you know, Noth repri- reprises his role as Mr. Big, stirred painful memories of incidents that they say occurred in Los Angeles in 2004. That's when one happened, allegedly. And then in November, I mean, and then in New York City in 2015, um, the Hollywood Reporter has given them pseudonyms. So Zoe is now 40. Lily is now 31. I read the report, uh, the graphic report, and it was very, very unsettling. It actually made me sick. One one of the accusers was 22 at the time and uh, Chris Noth was 58. And then the other was 25 and Chris Noth was 60 at the time. And, And like I said, both of them... It, it, it's it's really, really trigger warning if you go read it exclusively at The Hollywood Reporter. Now, when The Hollywood Reporter reached out to Chris Noth for a statement, he said these accusations against me made by individuals I met years ago, even decades ago, are categorically false. These stories could have been from 30 years ago or 30 days ago. No always means no. That is the line I did. I did not cross. Uh, the encounters were consensual. It's difficult not to question the timing of these stories coming out. I don't know for certain why they are surfacing now, but I do know this. I did not assault these women. So I let, you know, everybody in the court of public opinion decide. Chris Noth has had one hell of a week. I will say that between the Peloton, the premiere, the the show just premiered last Thursday. And here we are, you know, a week later. Peloton, you said 
has already taken down that ad. Yeah, they, they it's down. This. It's down. So, uh, like I said, I'm sure more details will unfold, but uh, that's the T-Report for this hour, and we'll just see where, where this goes. <laughs> okay. Well, next up, the changes in our sexual behavior that have happened because of COVID, the new study, and what it all means next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let's talk about sex, baby. Okay, a new study (laughs) has been released that reveals over half of Americans aged 18 to 35 reported sexual difficulties during the pandemic, including low sexual interest, mismatched sex drives, and trouble orgasming. Wow. Yikes. We're needing some help. Uh, Dr. Justin Lay Miller joins us right now, a social psychologist, author, and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. So why was this such bad stuff coming out of the pandemic for our sex lives? (laughs) So the story of how the pandemic affected our sex lives is kind of a mixed bag. So when we look at the data that we've collected, we see that it affected different people in different ways. Some people had more sex and better sex than ever and got really sexually experimental. And other people just really put the brakes on their sex lives. And for yet others, they didn't experience any change at all. So it was really, really different for different people. But one of the things we saw in the study was that there was a large number of people, a majority, who reported at least one sexual problem last year. And I think that that's largely because this was such a stressful time for Mm -hmm. so many people. And we know that stress is one of the biggest libido killers out there. Yeah, I'm just thinking like, oh my gosh, I like got everyone out of my life, uh, like, you know, casual encounters in 2019. And then in 2020, I I wasn't interested in meeting new people on dating apps and stuff because I didn't want them bringing COVID in my house, possibly. Nevertheless, and there was nowhere to go. You know, you never do a first date at your house. Nevertheless, I want to know, has sexual quality been impacted and has sexual behavior, like, has the quality of the sex been impacted? We know, like you said, some people experienced an influx. Some people experienced a decrease. What about the quality? Yeah, so we asked people about how their sex life quality had changed. And when you look at the data that we collected in 2020, we had way more people saying that the quality of their sex life declined rather than improved. But something we've seen because we've been conducting more studies as this pandemic has gone on is that the trend has reversed and now you actually have more people reporting improvements rather than declines so it seems that things are getting better over time but for a long period of time during this pandemic people were really struggling and the quality of their sex life decreased in part that was because of this stress and it created conflict in their relationships people were trying to manage and navigate issues of personal space and so many other things And so I think there's a silver lining in the sense that things do seem to be getting better now. Mm -hmm. And was there a difference between couples and single people? Absolutely. There was a huge difference based on relationship status. And so if you look at people who have been in relationships this entire time, yes, they were struggling last year, but we're seeing more people reporting that things are better now than they were before, which I think is a really positive sign that, you know, our relationships are more resilient than we might think that they are. But if you look at singles, it's the opposite pattern. And so now you still have more singles reporting that their sex life is not as good 
as it was before. So big, big differences based on relationship status. And singles are still struggling more than people in relationships. And it's precisely because of the things that you mentioned where, you know, it's kind of hard to get back out there on the dating market. And what do you feel safe with? And what are you open to to doing and what are you looking for? And I think one other thing that we saw on this survey was that what singles are looking for in their relationships, what they want from their relationships right now is very different. And there's less interest in casual sex and more interest mm. in a long-term relationship. Thank but you. people people don't want relationships just for the sake of having them. They want the right relationship for them. Thank you for that. Because um, as someone, we were talking about this earlier, I'm on dating apps. Shira has a man. I'm single. And I'm so sick of the, the, the suggestion of casual encounters. I want nothing to do with it. Nothing. <laughs> um, so which demographic and psychological factors predict maintaining a better sex life during the pandemic? Right. So, I mean, there are lots of things that were predictive of who kind of did better throughout the situation than others. And so one of them was actually whether or not people were LGBTQ or whether they're cisgender and heterosexual. And LGBTQ folks actually seemed to experience more sexual difficulties and are, are reporting more declines in their sex lives than their cisgender heterosexual counterparts. And I think a big part of the reason for that is because they felt disproportionately stressed during this period of time. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about stress being this really negative impact on our sex lives. So your sexual and, and gender identity is one of the factors that predicts your relationship status is one of those big factors that's important. Um, there also does seem to be a difference between men and women uh, where women are reporting more declines in their sex lives than men are. And I think that's wow. because women were disproportionately burdened by COVID-related stressors. Mm -hmm. We saw in the research that women are picking up more of the burden around the home with, you know, kids being out of school and so forth. And, and so I think the impact for women was much rougher in terms of stress compared to men, so and that translated to sex life problems. So just as we wrap up for 30 seconds, like what solutions are there? Because I know I just came out of COVID with my boyfriend and, you know, not to be... <laughs> Not to be too specific, like I felt like he was ready to go at any point. I'm the one who I've had some trouble getting back to kind of in, being in my body and connected and feeling like I'm in the mood for sex. So there are really two things that can help. One is that the single most effective solution for dealing with sexual difficulties is increased communication. The people who communicate more about these issues they're experiencing do better. The other thing is trying new things in the bedroom. We saw that a majority of people tried at least one new thing in the bedroom <laughs> during the pandemic, and those who did were much more likely to report improvements rather than declines in their sex lives. And that's because trying something new creates this really immersive experience that allows us to be in the moment, and mm -hmm. that can help block out distractions and stressors and other things like that. And it also just amps up the arousal factor. So trying new things, communicating more are the really tried and true solutions here. All right. Well, that was Dr. Justin Lee Miller, social psychologist, author and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute. I also want to give a shout out to the National Coalition for Sexual Health. I'm a member of that and who connected us for this story. So we really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, a lot of people are getting uh, very innovative with making money these days, including <laughs> including this 90-day fiancé star, Stephanie Maddow, who has recently revealed that she is earning six figures by, are you ready for this, farting into jars and selling said jars with her farts. I am repulsed. First of all, I don't hate the player. I hate the game. This is disgusting. But this this really repulses me. This really repulses me. And I wonder, I can't help but to wonder her audience, who in the hell is buying jarred farts? Um, uh, who do you think? <laughs> we don't need to have an answer to that. Right. Wait, Vanessa, producer Vanessa, I do want to play not the first video on the top that TMZ has, but the Instagram video below it. We're going to play this Instagram video where she says, a day in the life of a girl who sells her farts in a jar, what she has to do to do this. This is the Instagram video. Hey guys, today I'm going to be showing you a day in the life of a girl who sells her farts in a jar. So I like to get things rolling with some beans, a protein muffin, sometimes even a yogurt, less sugar is better, some hard boiled eggs. And today I decided I was going to make myself a protein shake with some yogurt added to it. And oh, I was feeling it for sure. Uh, While I wait for those farts to develop, I like to read. I'm very smart, love to read. And then after I'm ready to go, I go ahead and, you know, do my work, do my job. I don't need to show you that, guys, but I like to add in little flower petals. I feel like they attach the scent and make it last longer. And when I'm finally finished with my jar, I like to leave a personalized note. I want to think. Wow. Okay. Uh, that's how it's done. And she actually recently, according to TMZ, ate so many fiber bars that it sent her to the emergency room. So this is a what? dangerous occupation. What? Oh, my gosh. I, Shira, I'm really speechless. I, I know you can't be speechless on radio because you can't have dead air time. But this is a fascinating story. But it is also one that is very, very, very disgusting. And listening to her rattle off the foods that kind of get her gets her gut going. I just like boiled eggs and protein shakes and fiber bars. Like, but you know what? She's <laughs> she's raking in six figures. So, like I said, she I can't is. even be mad at her for it. But I do want to know how this got started. Did she just get like an, <laughs> an influx of fans? How did you discover this? Like, like how? Like, do you just decide one day you're going to put your fart in a jar, or maybe you're around someone who's like, "Wow, your your fart is turning me on." Me, it kind of reminds me of those uh, people who have like foot fetishes. How they'll write like I've gotten emails from men who are like show yes show me your feet and things like that so i wonder if she just got an influx of like fan mail due to her visibility on this show of people wanting to or is i don't watch the show does she bring up her fart on a show like this is just weird and i'm sorry to anyone who's eating right now who might be disgusted by this segment (laughs) yeah we apologize but congrats on finding a way to make money and being enterprising Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. And now it's time for our Yes Queen. Yes Queen. Did I do it like Ryan, Shira? I mean, none of us do it like Ryan, but we all put our own spin on it. Yeah, my voice just can't get up in the rafters like that. But nevertheless, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee and LGBTQ plus ally Belinda Carlisle is joining RuPaul's Drag Race alum Trixie Mattel for a benefit Christmas party tonight in West Hollywood at the Abbey. And the party is to raise money for her charity, Animal People 
Alliance. The Christmas party is set to have performances by both Carlisle and Mattel, along with a silent auction. Now, um, she co-founded, Carlisle co-founded this organization back in 2014 in India. And it's a combination of her love of India and animal rights activism. So if you want to swing by the Abbey tonight to see Trixie Mattel and Belinda Carlisle, here's your invitation. There you go. Fun stuff. And if you can't be there in person, you want to support or find out more, you can just go to the site animalpeoplealliance.net. Well, that's our yes, queen. Yes. Giving back for the holidays. Love it. And also be safe out there because, you know, the COVID's running rampant. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Megan the Stallion just, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> well, that also does it for our show today. Thank you, Shar, as always, for filling in for Ryan today. Love having you on. Thank you. I love being here, Shira. And now tomorrow we're going to be talking about if the world as we know it is ending and why people are asking this question, why are we still at work? Wow. What a bit. Of, it's a bit of a downer, but we're going to always make it a positive spin here on Let's Go There. We're also going to be talking about the Changemaker series by uh, Neon by Glad the organization. So that's on tomorrow's show as well as what's trending this hour, the T report, you know, all the news you need to know about. Our show is live weekdays here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. If you miss any of the shows or interviews, catch up on all of it on our podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. Again, you could follow Shar everywhere on social media at Shar Says So. Go support what she's up to. Thank you, Shira. Yeah, I'm at Shira Lazar. We are sending you love and light. And now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this, where he's talking about dating skills. Oh, we all need some of that. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.